This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, good morning. It's Thursday, February 6th, the day after signing day. My name is Trey Scott. This is the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down all of the day's college football news. So since today is the day after signing day, uh, we can officially put the 2020 class to bed. And one of my favorite things about signing day, and, and especially the second signing day, is that it allows us to take a big picture look at things. The first signing period, the one in December, is all about chasing the news and gathering the scoop and getting Wilt Fong season going. The second one is how do these players immediately impact and help their teams? So to do that, I brought on 24-7 Sports' recruiting analyst, Charles Power. He's part of the Rankings Council. He's also a massive college football fan, college football junkie. He knows the sport as well as anybody. And we're going to talk about 10 impact signees from the 2020 class who we expect to make waves immediately this fall. All right, Charles, it's not an easy task to come up with a list of 10 impact signees or, you know, 50 impact signees, but whatever we've, we've tried to narrow a list down and come up with 10 guys who we feel reasonably sure are going to have a nice impact in, in the 2020 season, starting with quarterback Bryce Young of Alabama. When you look at this quarterback battle that includes most notably Mac Jones, how do you handicap it? I, I think if you kind of look at how Nick Saban has approached these these quarterback transition periods, um, you know, in his in his tenure at Alabama, kind of go back to the AJ McCarron, Philip Sims, um, when he was kind of with Jalen Hurts and Blake Barnett. It, a lot of times, the the competition tends to stretch early into the season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened um, with, with with Bryce Young, Mac, Mac Jones, and maybe even Talia Tagovailoa, but. I, I expect uh, we'll look up this time next year and, and Bryce Young would have been the starter at the end of the season for Alabama, just given how talented he is. Um, I think, you know, the the mandate at Alabama is, is to try to win championships. And I think he's the, the quarterback on their roster that gives them the best chance. And you know, he's the number one player in the country for, for 24-7 sports for a reason. Um, just his feel, instincts, um, and, and kind of I, I just don't really see – his skill set having uh, a lot of trouble translating kind of once he gets in, um, you know, w- w- with the speed of the game. And I-, I don't think the lights will be too bright for him. So I think he's as ready to play at, at this stage, um, you know, as-, as any quarterback in the country and maybe over the last couple of years too. He's just really advanced. We were in San Antonio. I was standing next to you on the practice field at the All-American Bowl and we were watching them warm up. And Bryce Young's footwork, I remember Charles, you were like, gosh, look at this. Like, look at that. It's just, yeah. it's just so much more advanced in that regard than anybody else on the field. It kind of was, I thought, a testament to his preparedness and all that. Do you think we're looking at like the size? And, and I know that doesn't matter anymore, but is this a guy who, like, I've heard some people say he's like a right handed Tua? Like, is that, 
I don't know where I'm going with that at all, but is like yeah. that an apt comparison at all? I think so. I, I think in terms of the style of play and just how loose they are, how instinctive they are, naturally accurate. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair comparison in, in terms of how they play. I, I remember watching the spring game when Tua was a freshman, and it was like the ball was was every ball's on target. It's almost like didn't seem like the ball ever hit the ground, and that's how it is watching Bryce. I mean, like you said, when we were at the All American Bowl practices, that's how it was. Like even if it's incompletion. The ball's on target. Like he's just very rarely off. It very, very rarely misses. And when, when, with Alabama having the kind of skill talent they have, it's the the job of the quarterback is to get it out quick and distribute the ball to these talented receivers. I mean, they have Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith coming back. He, I mean, th- that fits perfectly in Bryce Young's skill set. He's going to get the ball out quick to those guys, and um, and and can you know if a play, if the play breaks down, he can create on his own as well. But yeah, I mean, I I, I think. I think the 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 two the in terms of stylistically the two comparisons app I think on our pro, on our profile for Bryce um, the comparisons Russell Wilson and that's really kind of who Tua has said he models his game after a little bit so it's kind of the 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 quarterback who can play within structure but can also improvise um, when when pushed so uh, that, that's kind of who I would yeah I mean I, I think it's I think it's fair you wrote on the morning of the national title game we published a story of yours about coaches needing to play the most talented quarterback, usually the younger guy, whenever. like the, There's no need to wait anymore. Uh, yeah. We looked at Trevor Lawrence as a comparison for that. I think it's interesting, Nick Saban, when you're looking at this quarterback battle, Nick Saban has already been in that situation. And it took him a long time. It took him to the second half of the national title game to play the right quarterback, but he did it. Right. I'm sure he was glad he did. So maybe we'll see Bryce Young open the season against USC as the starter. Got a running back here on the list, Marshawn Lloyd, number five running back in the class of 2020, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. He's going to South Carolina. What about his game makes him sort of ready to play immediately? When you see Marshawn Lloyd, he looks like a college running back right now. He's kind of got that like a stocky, rocked-up build. I think we have him at 5'9", 211, um, highly athletic. Uh, he's capable of making some some of the better like highlight type of plays you'll you'll see i think he might have been on the sports center top 10 plays like twice this year as a senior um and, and i think w- when you look at south carolina's depth chart with the with the running backs so the, the running and running back i need to probably note is a position where it, it's a lot easier for a running back to come in um and, and make impact as a freshman than maybe some of the positions that are a little more developmental typically your running backs kind of are like ready made at least your top ones and um, if you look at South Carolina's depth chart, I think it's 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 pretty wide open for him to come in and make impact. I think they're expecting him to come in and and at the very minimum get like you know significant carries um, in, in their rotation. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's a starter. Um, and and just, I think he's got the the build and athleticism to kind of take that um, you know kind of take that load in the SEC. And I know they'll be they'll probably be leaning on him from from what I've gathered. Yeah, they're le- they're losing Tavian Feaster. They're losing Rico Daddle. Uh, so it's it's I think the Marshawn Lloyd show in Columbia next year, and Will Muschamp certainly needs a big one from him. Rakeem Jarrett I thought was an interesting inclusion. So this is a guy who I remember Maryland fans being kind of upset about us for his ranking, like kind of dropping a little bit over the last yeah. few months. But this is yeah. still like a, an elite prospect that that Maryland's getting, and given what they have on their roster, you expect him to get a lot of targets early on. Yeah, for, for sure. And there's no doubt, like, seeing Rakeem Jarrett at the Under Armour All-American game, he he struggled. And relative to other receivers who are ranked behind him, um, we, we felt like we needed to, to kind of rearrange that group. 
but he's still a top 100 prospect who's heading to a team that 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 desperately needs that type of playmaking ability on the outside and that's Mike Loxley's whole thing like remember Mike Loxley was the receivers coach at Alabama when when they had when Jerry Judy won won the Bolitnikoff like that's his that's like Mike Loxley like a staple of his offense is we're going to get a playmaker on the outside and we're going to feed him the ball and I I you know I think the flip Rakeem Jarrett from LSU in the early signing period when he did it was kind of like hey man like we're gonna feature you in our offense you're gonna be a, a kind of our our key cog and and i think i really think they're gonna like get him the ball as many ways as possible whether it's quick game um just targeting him in the passing game even maybe even handing it off to him i, I think he's gonna be a featured piece for maryland and we're gonna see him in you know making plays in in, in um the big 10 east for sure Rakeem Jarrett goes down as the fourth highest ranked player to ever sign with Maryland, which is kind of hard to believe. The number one highest ranked player, as you probably know, is Stephon Diggs. And Rakeem yeah. Jarrett's the first skilled player since Stephon to sign with Maryland. So who knows? Maybe we'll see a little bit of that action. All right. Yeah, two, the ne- two local guys, too. Yeah, two, awesome. local guys. Two, two local guys. Yeah. You love the next guy. You could probably talk about the next guy for 50 minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba going to Ohio State from Rockwall, Texas. Blossomed with a tremendous senior season. I'm sure you know the stats by heart. <laughs> and yep. could be an immediate guy in Columbus. Yeah, so um I, I, I think you know Ohio State signed maybe the best receiver class that we've seen going back looking at it. I mean, I, I think it's at least the best receiver class on paper of of, of the last decade. Um with 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 Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith the Jigba as as twenty four as composite five stars, G Scott. Uh, composite top 100, top 75 type prospect, then Mookie Cooper, a composite four star. So that four man class alone is is good enough. I think Jackson Smith the Jigba of those four is the most ready to play. Um, he's the most polished receiver in the class. Like he had over 2,100 yards, I think 34, 35 touchdowns in, in a very high class uh, of um, of Texas high school football. And when, when you watch him, it's just the overall skill level, his route running ability. Um, his ability to make contested catches in, in traffic um, and, and you know, kind of finish, uh, you know, w- w- even if he's covered, which is less often than almost anybody in the class with his ability to separate, even if he is covered, he can jump up and, and make, uh, you know, contort his body and make catches in air. So you factor in that. And I think this is an important point that, um, you know, I t- talking to Bill Kerlick for our Ohio State site, if you look at Ohio State's re- receiving room, they're going to have a hole with, with with KJ Hill graduating at at slot, and if you if you're kind of looking at you know between Smith and Jigba, uh, Julian Fleming, and G Scott, Smith and Jigba is probably the most well equipped to come in and fill that slot role in in 2020, just kind of with his skill set and just how advanced he is right now. So I, I think he uh, of those three, he's probably the most equipped and and fits that role. Um, of kind of what they're looking to, to add within their like receiving group um, it, as a freshman. But I think they're all going to be really good, but, but he's probably the one that I would pick as having the the best chance of making an impact next year. Well, he'll get to enjoy the last year of Justin Fields at tight end. We've got Eric Gilbert. He's replacing Thaddeus Moss who had 47 catches for LSU. The Tigers are going to be breaking in a new quarterback in Miles Brennan and like what the old cliche, I don't know if it's relevant anymore, but it was, you know, back in the day, that a tight end is a quarterback's best friend, especially a young quarterback's best friend. Eric Gilbert, I feel like a safe bet to catch at least 35 passes. 
I would I would say so. I, I thirty five might be lowballing it, to be honest. Well, I just don't like, know how good their quarterback's going to be. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, but like, I I think you know, there's a very Barton Barton Simmons and I've talked about this. There, if Thaddeus Moss was coming back, and uh, he and Eric Gilbert would be fighting for playing time. Like that's how good Eric Gilbert is already. Um, and, and he's one that really kind of in in that offense, the way LSU used the tight end this year, really was kind of like a almost like a, just a big receiver. And that's really what Eric Gilbert is right now. He plays receiver in high school. He had over 100 catches. He was Gatorade National Player of the Year, 1,700 receiving yards. So he is a high-volume target that you can just feed the ball. Um, and it just a really, like, he's 250 pounds, but plays like a receiver. He's the way, with how fluid and just coordinated he is. Um, so, so I think he'll come in with, with, you know, and kind of just, I, I expect him to instantly start kind of within, within their, assuming they're kind of sticking with the same offense with Joe Brady leaving there with the, with the four wide package, you know, with, with, with Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, and then they'll have Eric Gilbert out there too. So, um, I, I expect him to like, we'll, we'll be watching him on, on CBS at three thirty games and you see him making plays next year. I really don't have a doubt on that. And I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's, one of their three or four leading pass catchers next year. Yeah, he goes down as number five in the composite. And when you t- actually listening to you talk, I'm realizing 35 is low balling it. I mean, you never know, but yeah. I can. I'm now starting to like talk myself into a situation where he's like second on the team in receptions behind Jamar Chase. We'll see. I don't know what that offense is going to look like. Uh, I'm sure Miles Brennan will be very happy to have him though. And also too, it'll be interesting. To, it'll be interesting to see too. Like they're 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 losing Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and he was such a huge kind of check down target for them. It'll be interesting to see like how where those receptions go. Um, are they going to kind of stick with the running back? I mean, it's probably also safe to assume they might not be throwing the ball quite as much, but um, that's also my, my factor in it as well. Uh, before we move on, it's kind of got a nerd note. The top two highest ranked tight ends in top 247 history now both reside in the SEC West in Baylor Cup and Eric Gilbert. Baylor Cup's at a and I'm sure you're excited to see him in his comeback tour in 2020. All right, Peter Skaronsky, a Northwestern signee, a center, He's 112 in the composite, but the rankings council, you guys love him. Number 27 in the top 247. For the 99% of our listeners who have never heard of Peter Skaronsky, why is he a name we need to know? Yeah, so P- Peter Skaronsky is, is a local is a local kid in Chicago who decided to go to Northwestern. He was highly recruited. He was kind of a guy that was like top of the board for teams that recruit that area, kind of like a Notre Dame, Ohio State. All those schools would have would have taken him, but the fact that he kind of chose to stay at home, you know, and go to Northwestern has him flying under the radar a little bit, at least in terms of you know fanfare, I would say. Um, but he is probably the most technically sound ready to play offensive lineman uh, and just in terms of his his build he's ready to go and one thing worth noting too is he's going northwestern who you know to to be honest really had one of the worst offenses in you know recent history at, 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 at the power five level and i expect him to come in he is going i would be stunned if he didn't start next year for them and he's versatile enough to at, at that level where he can play at, at the, in, in college any of the five offensive line positions so they're going to basically if they're going best five offensive linemen i would be shocked if he's not one of their one of their top five offensive linemen um you know in in 2020 and could be a guy who maybe plays he could play tackle in college and then get drafted as a guard or center um, you know, for, for, for the NFL. And, and, and there's other ones, there's other offensive linemen too, like that we kind of have listed, like Luke Kandra from Louisville, uh, who is a uh, four-star kind of a, one that where 
much higher on it 24-7 than the composite. I think he has a good chance to start there. Miles Morale at uh, Washington also has a good chance to start, uh, or at least like can maybe crack the lineup or kind of compete for a starting job. And I think it's worth noting too with offensive linemen, it's the most developmental position, both physically and kind of technically making that jump in, in, in the competition level. So uh, you're probably going to see less offensive linemen make like a true impact um, at the college level. I think a lot of times typically when freshmen do play, they really – they're kind of out there swimming and, and they they might be on the field, but they, but they typically aren't playing well by, by everybody else's standards. So yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, Brian Brzee, Clemson defensive lineman, number one in the composite, number three in the top two for seven slam dunk to make this list. I mean, he's going to start somewhere for the tigers. Yeah. Has to, has to, and, in you know, watching Clemson play this year, they really were kind of piecing together with the way their defense was constructed because they they lost all those all those defensive linemen to the draft. They had like four defensive four, linemen, four, really, four I mean, NFL actually, picks, three first rounders. Yeah, yeah, I think they actually might have had five. I think Albert Huggins got picked too. So they they lost like their all their starters and some of their two deep to the draft last year. They were running a three man front. Their best defensive lineman this year was Tyler Davis, who was kind of like a back end top two, four, seven guy uh, in, in 2019 class, a true freshman. So uh, Brian Brzee is, I think he could have started for them this year. Like if you had just superimposed him on the, on, on the 2019 team. Um, so yeah, he, he's going to play and, and he's so versatile. I think they could line him up at any position they, they wanted to bring Venables. He's just going to kind of be a movable chess piece on that line. You can move, move him inside on pass rush downs, um, you know, uh, play end on, uh, you know, early downs and kind of how they use Christian Wilkins with just moving him all those spots on the line. And he's already on campus. I'm sure we'll start hearing about how good he is in, in spring ball kind of once they get their hands on him and, and are working him out and everybody kind of sees, but um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I, I think we've said he's probably the best defensive tackle prospect we've seen at least kind of in like the, you know, the internet recruiting era. And, um, I, I have a hard time not seeing him, you know, make an immediate impact and ultimately be like a, one of the best players in college football and a high draft pick. They're, they're really going to be excited to have him because you've talked about the three man front they had to run without yeah. any sort of really dominant force down there. Tyler Davis was a true freshman all American for us, but Xavier Thomas, a former top five recruit had a really poor, quiet sophomore season, two and a half sacks, and maybe Brzee. Yep. And they, and they, and they, they just lost Logan Rudolph, Mason Rudolph's brother, uh, re- retired to pursue yep. pursue an acting career. And they're also, too, we, I guess, Trey, we probably need to note, Clemson's bringing in several more guys along with Brzee. He would be the top pick, but, you know, adding uh, Miles Murphy, um, DeMonte Capehart, Trey Williams. So they're, they're reloading, and, and Brent Venables definitely is going to have to I know he loves to blitz, but he isn't going to have to blitz as much as he did this year to, to create pressure for sure. Will Anderson. And right before we started airing, we were like, okay, who do we go here for Alex? You know, like, who do we go here for an edge guy? Uh, Will Anderson, Drew Sanders were an option. Alabama is getting a lot of immediate impact guys on the defensive side of the football. Kind of looks like old Bama. I think I heard the name Tim Williams. Tim Williams thrown around uh, with Will Anderson down in San Antonio as sort of a, an edge presence from day one for Alabama. Yeah, and I, I, to be honest, I think he's more advanced than, than Tim Williams was com- coming in. Uh, I think my I think my comparison for Will Anderson might have been like maybe like D Ford or, or something. Um, but but he's he, he he's ready to go. Like he was the he was the best edge rusher we saw at any All Star events. Had a huge senior year. I think he had over over twenty sacks. 
um, and, and 20 more tackles for loss. Uh, you know, Drew Sanders, I think, too, is is going to come in super ready to play, very developed physically and just from a football IQ standpoint. Um, I think we edged Will Anderson slightly just because of the uh, just because of the uh, you know the ability to rush the passer and kind of what Alabama needs. Um, they, they, I think they really you know any Alabama fan or, or their coaching staff would tell you that that they're looking to upgrade on on that front and had some injuries this year, but I, I think Will Anderson you know at, at the at the bare minimum they'll put him in on pass rush downs and he can he can you know get after the passer and um, really kind of the thing that surprised us at, at uh, in, in San. Antonio was just how powerful he was too. So, but in both those guys, Anderson and Sanders are on campus already. So they're going, they're going through the spring um, and and they're going to get a jump on things. And I I think that puts them in a, in a good position to make an impact uh, this fall. When you're talking about best pass rushers in the class, I'm going to kind of go down a rabbit hole with you. Okay. So there's like, there's, there's slam dunk guys. And then there's sort of lean project players. And I was talking with Barton Simmons about this few weeks ago, how every year there's like a uh, Caleb on chase on right. or a Chris Bogle or a, uh, I'm forgetting the name. There's like two guys who went to Florida state. Like there's like that Brian, kind Brian of guy Burns. Eats. I think Brian, Brian Burns. Burns yeah. Like there's those guys. Right. Which one is Will Anderson? Is he sort of like the project? Like you kind of drool over his frame and hope he puts it all together. Or is he ready to, to do it right now? I, I honestly think a little bit of both. Like I, I kind of came into the week in San Antonio thinking that he probably was more of like you're a Kalev on Chase on Brian Burns, um, guy who you know could maybe be a, a pass rush specialist as a freshman. But then we saw we got him out there, and you saw how physical he was and how he was just kind of manhandling offensive linemen from a strength perspective. And you maybe compare him to a, a, a guy that was also at in San Antonio, like a Donnell Harris, who signed with. A&M, Donald Harris kind of fits that, you know, Brian Burns, Kalevon Chason mold, who was kind of a rangy, long speed rusher, but, you know, probably needs a little bit of time in the weight room to, to reach his, he reaches, I guess, strength max, but, and Anderson's going to improve, but he's well advanced there. He's stronger than a lot of the defensive linemen who are like 260, 270. So, um, I, I kind of both that's kind of the best of both worlds i guess that's why we haven't ranked as the number five prospect in the country it's it's the high floor and high ceiling i'm going to spend the next few days like trying to create the all brian burns team all right anyway because there's a lot more names out there who fit that mold. yeah for sure noah sewell doesn't really fit any mold you guys have ever seen and listening to the rankings council deliberations is he a linebacker is he a defensive tackle He's headed to Oregon. We assume right now he's going to form perhaps a freshman one-two linebacking punch with Justin Flo that could just be part of a you know terrific Oregon defense. Yeah, and I I kind of think I kind of came back to thinking Noah Sewell will probably be a linebacker long term. Uh, you know, he's over. He, he was over two hundred seventy pounds uh, earlier this month, so he's gonna probably need to lean out a little bit. Um, and you know, anytime you get a 270 pound linebacker trying to cover a running back, that's not going to be ideal, but you see Noah Sewell in the context of a live 11 on 11 football game. And he's outstanding. I think he was our alpha dog at the all American bowl. He finds a ton of ways to make plays. He's just so instinctive and, and, you know, he's obviously got the size and physicality already along with his kind. He's got freakish athleticism for his size. I think I think he has the best shuttle time for anybody at his weight that we have on record over the last five years running like a four, one shuttle at like over two sixty five. Um, So, so he's got all, he's 
ready to go in, in terms of the, the, the physical nature. And, and then you, I think you tack on the instincts and just his um, kind of the way he's programmed, right? Like his brother is an all American uh, who, who uh, he won the, the line, the award for the best lineman. This the Allen year. trophy. Allen yep. trophy. Yeah. Sorry. Allen trophy um, came in ready to play as a true freshman as a left tackle in the pac 12. And, and I don't really see any reason why Noah Sewell wouldn't be able to do that at linebacker either um and, and hearing mario cristobal on the 24 7 sports signing show just kind of gush about him when asked i think he's got like a chance for sure to make a serious impact i think like and, and that's kind of the, the style of football that Oregon wants to play right like they're going to come in and they're kind of a punch you in the mouth team and out in the pack 12 so uh i i it i wouldn't be surprised to kind of for, to see him as maybe their their cave on thibodeau uh, uh of the 2020 season I'm kind of surprised I knew the outland thing. There's like 20 of yeah. those types of awards. I, I wanted you're... to say I wanted to say Mackie, but I was like, that's the tight end one. Yeah, you saved me with the with the stats from senior season, all the measurables, and I'll help you out with yeah, the uh, for sure the uh, the awards. One more, Clark Phillips. He's going to Utah. Uh, Utah had a tremendous defense last year. Loses a lot, including cornerback Jalen Johnson. Clark Phillips was at one point an Ohio State commit to give you an idea of how good this kid is so that you're not just hearing Utah and rolling your eyes. Yeah, and uh, I think it's worth noting, Jalen Johnson was a highly recruited prospect at high school too and, and ended up having a, a really good year at, at Utah. Utah is a staff where they maximize the talent they have. Typically when they sign these highly rated prospects, like they, they hit. And, and Clark Phillips, I think, just kind of you know saw that as, as a good fit for him. Well, like you said, he's... It's a favorable depth chart situation. I, I think he fits the mentality of that Utah defense. Just a kind of a kind of he's really kind of a bulldog at corner. Um, not going to be your your rangiest or longest corner, um, but he is just a, a great football player. Really good ball st- skills. Highly instinctive. Um, he's not going to back down uh, for, from kind of manning up and guarding anybody on the outside and. He stepped into a very favorable situation with the amount of turnover they're having, uh, kind of in in, in the, on their defense in their secondary, and and I don't really have a doubt that that he's going to come in and, and and be you know a, a three or four year starter there. All right, Charles. Well, appreciate having you on. This is like the last time we get to talk about these players with some sort of like recruiting hook or whatever. And next time we talk about them, they will be balling out in spring or looking good in summer workouts or making some plays on the field this fall can't cannot wait so appreciate appreciate you joining us and we'll talk to you again soon sounds good thanks thanks charles i appreciate it all right so there are 10 signees who we think could be breakout stars in 2020 we've got a full all impact team all 22 impact team coming friday via chris hummer it's got those guys' names on it it's got like 20 other names on it I highly recommend you reading it. It's one of our most popular content pieces of the year that's coming out Friday. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. For Charles Power, for Connor Tapp, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We'll see you on Friday. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.